Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host for the show. And we have a couple of quotes for you today. The first one, unfortunately, is anonymous. I know someone said it, but I'm not sure who it is, but I loved it anyway. They said to her, you cannot withstand the storm. And she said to them, I am the storm. Love that. We have an amazing guest for you today who's going to give us all kinds of great information about high achievement. Dr. Ruth Gotian is the Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor of Education and Anesthesiology and former Assistant Dean of Mentoring and Executive Director of the Mentoring Academy at Well Cornell Medicine. She has been hailed by the journal Nature and Columbia University as an expert in mentorship and leadership development. In 2021, she was selected as one of 30 people worldwide to be named to the Thinkers 50 radar list, dubbed the Oscars of Management Thinking, and is a semifinalist for the Forbes 50 over 50 list. In addition to publishing in academic journals, she's a contributor to Forbes and Psychology Today, where she writes about optimizing success. Her research is about the mindset and skill set of peak performers, including Nobel laureates, astronauts, and Olympic champions. Her book, The Success Factor, shares the stories of high, extreme high achievers and unlocks the path to success. So you know why I brought her on here. It fits in perfectly with what we talk about. Welcome. How are you, Ruth? I am so awesome. How are you? Awesome. Yeah. I can't even tell you how excited I am to have you on here. We, I, there's so many questions that I have <laughs> for you. I just don't even know where to start. How about we start with just going back and you bringing me up to speed on how you got to where you are. Look at all of these things that you've accomplished. How did you get to doing all of this? Oh, slow and steady wins the race. This has been a, a career of slow and steady and just moving things and taking strategic risks and, and being scared and doing it anyway. And then, you know, it's not linear. These things build on each other in exponential ways. So it took a while and uh, a lot of vulnerability, but here we are and hopefully there's more to come. Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm very excited for some of the things that you have coming up over the next six months and a year. But you know what, with the topic, I have to jump into if since you have done all of these interviews of these high achievers, I really want to know, did you find what they have in common? Mm, yes, I did. Yeah. And I, I actually have to say I dove so deep that I actually literally did a doctoral dissertation on it. Awesome. Um, and it started with um, the most successful physician scientists of our generation. So those are people who have the MD and do research as well, because I really thought those were the future for us to find treatments and cures. They understand both the science and the patient's needs. So I started my research and that's where the doctorate came in on that cohort, which included um, 
Nobel Prize winners and NIH Institute directors and a former Surgeon General and the people who won the biggest scientific prizes. Mm-hmm. And after I finished that, I was curious if what I found in those people, if the other extreme high achievers would have the same elements. And that's when I started interviewing the astronauts and the Olympic champions and the Fortune 500 CEOs and other people who have really created such a paradigm shift in what they are doing. And they're also giving back in some way. And I realized that all of them did the same for things. And these are not habits. These are mindsets and skill sets. And that means that the astronaut is just like an Olympian. Mm-hmm. And if those two very different people are so similar in their mindsets, that meant to me that these are teachable and therefore learnable skills. Mm. So I just went on a crusade to really teach anybody who wants to improve their success and raise the bar, how to be more successful. And this is based on the research of some of the most successful people of our generation. And that's everyone from the former NASA chief astronaut, Dr. Peggy Whitson, who spent more days in space than any other American astronaut, to the most successful and decorated winter Olympian, Apollo Anton Ono, also Maribel champion on Dancing with the Stars, mm-hmm. and, and so many other people, and Nobel laureates, et cetera. And, and I found that they all do these same four things. And I, I am just obsessed with success and really want to get these ideas into as many hands as possible for those who really want to learn how to improve their own success. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is fantastic. Well, a couple of things. First of all, would you be able to give us a sneak preview of one of those? I can give you all four, Heather. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So I'll give you all four. And, And the reason I say that is because you have to do all four things together. You cannot pick and choose. This is not a mix and match sale. You have to do all four things together. But I will tell you at the end, if you're going to start, which to start with first, and then you build on it. So number one, the most important thing is to tap into your passion and purpose. What is your intrinsic motivation? Meaning you would do it for free if you could. It keeps you up at night because you cannot stop thinking about it. You are doing it because you want to, not because you have to. And that's a very big difference from extrinsic motivation. Those are the people who are doing it for some sort of recognition, a diploma, a a reward, a promotion, a trophy. That leads to burnout or fail out because eventually you're not going to get those prizes. There has to be another reason for you to do it. It has to come from within. You have to have that fire in the belly. And when you get it, you don't lose it. It's that fire is burning within. So that intrinsic motivation, that passion and purpose is so critical. So that's the first one. The second one is, and once you have that passion and purpose and you're trying to achieve something, you will stop at nothing to get it done. Mm -hmm. That perseverance is because you get into this state of flow. You're so into what you're doing. You don't drop your pen at five o'clock. You have, you know, you're going to have an impact and you're so intrigued by what you're doing. You just keep going and going and going and going. And you can tell 
when somebody is doing that, when they're intrinsically motivated at something and when they would stop at nothing to do it. We all know those kind of people. Yes. So that's the second one. The third one is that the extreme high achievers have a very strong foundation, which they're constantly reinforcing, which means whatever they did early in their career, they are doing later in their career as well. They don't stop just because they've achieved great success. So Kobe Bryant, big NBA star, the same drills that he would do before sunrise are the same drills that you would see in any junior high gym. Mm -hmm. Granted, NBA stars have better sneakers and better equipment, but everything else is exactly the same. It's the same exact drills. I don't know of a single scientist who stopped doing science after they won the Nobel Prize. Mm -hmm. They all continue to design their experiments. Neil Katyal, who who argued 44 cases before the Supreme Court of the United States, he still does the same practices at case 44 that he did in case one. He still does moot courts, multiple moot courts. He still has a binder with all the questions he could possibly be asked and the types of responses. And he still talks to his kids about the case in the plainest of language the night before the case the same practices over and over and over again. And if you ask anyone, they'll always say, you always go back to the basics, always. And then the last one is, well, you've heard of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and Mark Cuban. You've you've heard of those people and you might've heard that they read for three to eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. It's not that they read three to eight hours a day that made them billionaires. What made them billionaires was that they were open to new ideas, which then led to their creative thinking. So they do it by reading for multiple hours a day, but there are other ways that you can do that. So sure, you can read books or articles or blogs, but you can also listen to podcasts such as this one. Hopefully I'm giving people some ideas. You can watch YouTube videos, right? There's so many other ways you can listen on audible. There's so many ways that you can get new ideas. And the other thing that they all had in common, all of these extreme high achievers was that they had a team of mentors who believed in them more than they believed in themselves. Mm. And those are the people who kept pushing them and really helped build their career and really helped guide them when they got into this dark place because not every day is a bed of roses. So those are the four things they all had in common, their intrinsic motivation, their, um, their perseverance, their getting back to the basics, right? That strong foundation, which is constantly being reinforced and the continuous learning through informal means and mentors. That's what they all have in common. And if you had to start somewhere, mm-hmm. you start with that first one, finding your passion. Okay. So I have a couple of questions here. Now, um, first of all, before I guess the one about that, uh, I want to go back to something that you kind of offhandedly said as you were talking about in, right before we, we talked about these four uh, things that they need to, to know, these, these traits, these, these skills. Um, is that you mentioned that when you were interviewing them, you specifically also were looking for people who were not only disruptive in their in their industries, in their fields, but that they were contributing in some capacity. 
Yeah. How does that, how does that tie in? Well, look, you can be rich and famous, but that doesn't mean you're creating, you're moving your field forward. Yes. Right. So we know there's a lot of reality TV stars mm-hmm. who are very famous, yeah. but they haven't really done anything other than have cameras following them around. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So I was looking for people who really pushed the field forward. So while there are very well-known people in the book, people who are household names, right? Mm-hmm. There's everyone from, um, I, I mentioned the astronaut, the Olympian. There's also Dr. Tony Fauci from the NIH who's in there and um, Maxine Clark, the CEO of Build-A-Bear Workshop. But there's also people who you likely have never heard of but have completely disrupted the industry and are working to leave this world better than we found it. So people like Janice Lentz, who is creating hearing access everywhere, all the national parks, Broadway theaters, subway stations, uh, uh, baseball stadiums, Apple stores, Delta terminals. She is on a crusade to get this done. Or how about Dr. Debbie Heiser, who completely changed the way depression is diagnosed in nursing homes because people were being underdiagnosed. So these are people who really are leaving their mark. And even though you may not hear of them, they are doing incredible things. And that's why I asked, because this is something that is very important to me. And I love that because it is a, it's a big part of it. And I'm so glad that that was an element of uh, your decision and who, and who to choose, right? Because there are a lot of high achievers out there, but I love the names that you have brought up and I'm I'm dying to go get your book, but let me, let me come back to the questions here because I also am strongly drawn to, I have a sense of purpose. A a lot of the people that I work with have a sense of purpose, but also there are a lot of people out there, maybe some of you listening who don't yet know. So Mm. I I guess my question for you, Ruth, is, is there anything that you can tell them anything that uh, can help someone find what they are passionate about? Absolutely. And it's so critical. And when I coach people, this is often the first thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Because when you find out what you're passionate, and you can start bringing that into your work, you love what you do. And work becomes something that you get to do, not that you have to do. Mm-hmm. So I actually take people through a passion audit, Ooh. which differentiates between the things that you are good at, the things that you are not good at, the things that you are good at, but you don't enjoy doing, and the things that you would love to do, but maybe you don't get the opportunity to do it as part of your job, but maybe you're doing it on your free time or in your volunteer activities. So this is actually a very quick exercise that gets people thinking about what they are good at, but what they would, what they can give away, because just because you're good at something doesn't mean you enjoy doing it. Mm. And you might have enjoyed doing it in the past, but who wants to do the same thing for decades? Right. Right. Mm. So any of the listeners who want to download the passion audit, they can, they just go to my website, ruthgotian.com slash passion audit. 
and it's all right there. They can download the passion audit, the instructions, and within five, 10 minutes, they will be able to crystallize what it is that they love doing. Oh, love this. I love when my guests give something that people can use right away. That's awesome. (laughs) We'll make sure to put that link as well in the show notes for any of you out there who are furiously trying to jot that down. We'll have it nice and easy for you in the show notes. That sounds fantastic because it does come up a lot for people and to be able to give them that tool, I think is super helpful. The other thing I wanted to jump on that we, that you were talking about is this team of mentors. Let's say someone doesn't yet have a team of mentors. Can they, is there a trick to finding one or, or can you develop a team based on some strategy? Is there something that you can tell them that would help? There are so many strategies. So team, having a team of mentors is critical. But one of the things I want you to, I want all the listeners to realize is that your team of mentors, this is not a a dissertation committee. They don't even need to know of each other's existence. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to have them all come together in a boardroom to discuss you. You can pick and choose who you, who you turn to based on your need. So When I was writing the book proposal for the success factor, I went to one of my mentors who is probably the best writer I know. And she has a critical eye. And I asked her to please review it, right? I didn't ask the one who is a great grant writer or the one who's a great negotiator. I wanted a great grant writer. So I went specifically to her for this. Um, So the, when you develop a mentoring team, you want people who know the personal you, the professional you, and people who can teach you things as well. And there's layers and layers of how, um, of how this can be done and the types of people. But I will tell you, you want people from within your industry and within your organization, as well as outside of your industry and organization. Because if you surround yourself with people who do what you do all day long, they're going to think exactly like you and you will never have a creative thought. Mm. So it is so critical to have a diversified team around you. Um, And you want people at different levels. You want people who are senior to you. You want people who are at your level and you want people who are junior to you. You also want a retiree or two in there because each one offers something else. The senior people can offer you skills. They can teach you how to navigate the political landscape of your organization The ones who are at your level can empathize with what you're going through. They read a lot of the same things you might read. So they might hear of opportunities that you might be interested in. The ones who are junior to you can teach you something because they are so ingrained in what they, what they are learning. They can either teach you some new technology or a new technique that they have just learned in school that they, that you did not have when you were in school. Mm -hmm. So those are the different types of people who could be on your mentoring team. And another gift for your listeners, there's an, another free download for them. If they want to know how to develop their own mentoring team, there's a free worksheet on my website, ruthgotian.com slash mentoring team. Wow. You are just a wealth of information and gifts. I love it. This is fantastic. Heather, I told you I'm on a mission to make people more successful. 
Yes, you are. And, and I feel that passion and that purpose that you have coming through in how you're speaking, your energy, as well as what you're talking about. This is fantastic. I'm enjoying this immensely. Now, I, you know, I'm going to ask you now, we, we got to turn to the other side for a moment. So how do high achievers deal with challenges, you know, mm. those things that come up. You said it's not always a bed of roses. It's not always fantastic. Yeah. Day, because that's what we sometimes see of someone who, you know, you, you hear the, the overnight success stories, which don't exist. So yep. have you learned in these conversations with them, how they deal yep. with challenges? Imagine you've been training for the Olympics and then a pandemic comes. And something you've been training for your entire life is now postponed a year. And you don't know if you have what it takes to make it another year and to be competitive enough in the year. Because, you know, there's also a pandemic. And this happened to all of the Olympians. And I spoke to them about this particular topic. And it's the same way that all extreme high achievers deal with challenges. They never question if they will overcome a challenge because they know that they will. Instead, they pivot all of their focus to how to overcome the challenge. What is a strategy I haven't thought of to make this possible? What is in my control? I can't control that there's a pandemic and the Olympics have been postponed for a year. So focus on controlling what I can control. I can control my workouts. I can control who I'm around. I can control what I'm eating. I can control when I'm sleeping, right? That's what you have to do. I spoke to an Olympian who got COVID two months before the pandemic, but two months before the Olympics. Mm -hmm. It was his first Olympics. He finally made it. And then he gets COVID. (sighs) Well, and he was in a bubble. He's been in a bubble since the pandemic began because he wanted to make sure he didn't miss the the Olympics, but yet he got it anyway. And he did everything he could. He ultimately made it to the Olympics, Um, but he worked on controlling what he could control. And that's what you have to do. If there's a hurricane, if there's a fire, you work on controlling what you can control. I love that, that you definitely speaking my language for sure. Now let's, let's personalize this a bit. Um, do you have a story of a fear or a challenge or something that you overcame that you learned from that you could share? I was 43 when I went back to school to get my doctorate, which was 20 years after my master's degree. We did not have internet when I was getting my master's degree. We certainly didn't have social media. And we certainly did not have any sort of e-learning. And going back to school, when some of your professors are older than you, and you're working full-time and raising a family and having elder care for your parents, Mm -hmm. is one of the most terrifying things I have ever done. It's also one of the most exhilarating things. And... One of the things I realize now why I was successful in that process is because I was living out subconsciously 
what the extreme high achievers were doing. I couldn't control everything and I couldn't necessarily control when I'm finishing the degree and how my research will go and how every class will go, but I can control the readings I do for class this week, the papers I do for class this week, the presentations I do for class this week. So I always focused on controlling what I could and I was methodical about it. And I very quickly learned, I actually took classes Um, I I did an online certificate program at another institution for about six months before I ever submitted my application for a doctoral program, because as I said, we didn't have e-learning when I was getting my master's. So I want to know, could I handle this? Could I figure out, even for the in-person classes, which my classes were, but you still have to submit your documents on this portal. I never had to do that before. We didn't even have email. So I want to know if I could live that world. And um, not only did I live it, I loved it. That's awesome. You know, I, I went back, I, I, I went back to finish my degree. Like I had started and then my business took off at the same time. So I ended up going back to finish my degree when my twins were little, not an optimal time to do uh-huh. so. No, no. <laughs> but, but I bet you were efficient. Yeah, very efficient. And and I loved being there. And and just like you, some of my professors were younger than I was at the time. Um, but it was very rewarding. You know, it just felt really good. I was wow. there because I wanted to be there. So you said, how did you say it? This this it was terrifying but exhilarating. I love yes. that. I think I want people to, to understand that those, that there's a lot of beauty in those challenges that come up. If you, you know, if you can face them, if you can control, you know, focus on what you can control and take those actions and make your way through it, it feels amazing. So to, to embrace it in some capacity, because it's happening anyway, <laughs> right. And right. I, that what you're talking about is really important for people to understand if they happen to be in the mess of it at -hmm. the moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Control what you can control. Mm -hmm. So critical. Very, very. Okay. So, you know, I think that it's amazing that you have been giving people um, some, some great um, things that they can they, they can go to later. So there, I just want to reiterate for people. So there's the passion audit and yeah. there's the mentoring worksheet. And can you say your, your, uh, your website one more time or any other way that people can get a hold of you? And then perhaps also about your book. Sure. So my website is ruthgotian.com. So Ruth is R-U-T-H-G like Gary O-T like Tom. IA and like nancy.com. And then the resources I talked about were ruthgotian.com slash passion audit and ruthgotian.com slash mentoring team. Mm. Those worksheets are completely free. You can download it, share it with whoever you want. And now the book is called the success factor. And it's based on my research and interviews with some of the world's most, most extraordinarily successful people, the Nobel laureates, the astronauts, the Olympic champions, senior government officials, 
there's over 60 profiles in there mm. and each one underscores the ideas of the intrinsic motivation and the perseverance mm. and the strong foundation and the, the informal learning and mentoring teams. But I didn't just wanna tell people their stories. I'm an adult educator. So I, it's my, my purpose in life to teach people how to implement these things. So if I tell you about intrinsic motivation, I'm going to teach you how, that, how you can tap into that. If I'm going to talk to you about creating a foundation and reinforcing it, I'm gonna teach you how to do that. But one of the things we know is that adults like options and what's good for you today may not be good for you at your next transition in life, such as a new job, a kid, a partner, a move, whatever it is. So there's a lot of options for you to choose from because also what's good for me may not be good for you. So when I talk about intrinsic motivation, I give you a few possibilities, how you can find that and how you implement it. So this is one of those books that you can open at any chapter at any time in order to improve your success. And it's now available everywhere um, on presale. It comes out in January. It's called The Success Factor. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, wherever you like to buy your books. We'll put a link for that as well in the show notes. Uh, I'm very excited for you. I think that this is going to be a great value for uh, new readers that 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 get it. Uh, so we'll make sure to, to have access to that. Listeners, if you loved this show, um, please share it with a friend. I mean, there's so much value in here. Let's get it out there. Feel free to leave us a review as well. We really appreciate those. Ruth, do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners today? Look, I, I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning wanting to be average. I think everybody wants to be successful. They have the passion, they have the potential, they just need a plan. So I am here to give people that plan so that they can improve their success. You just have to want it badly enough. So I'm hoping you want it and you go after it because it's so worth it. Uh, Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and your tips and your resources and your wisdom today. Everyone have a beautiful day.